like this this excites me this talking about this where we can we can develop these isotopes in nuclear reactors and we can we can alter their chemistry and uh, inject them or have a, have somebody ingest these radionuclides that has cancer um, for example and that chemistry of it can can make it to where it binds to specifically where that cancer is and kills the cancer so you're right it does kill it it kills the cancer cells the rational view is a weekly series hosted by me dr alan scott providing a rational evidence-based perspective addressing important societal issues hello and welcome to the rational view i'm your host dr al scott in this episode nuclear power is it rational to worry this episode is Part one of a two-part interview I've done with DJ Leclerc, radiation expert, talking about radiation and nuclear power. DJ has been in nuclear power and radiation health physics since his enlistment in the Naval Nuclear Program, where he did radiochemistry and radiation protection aboard the USS Harry S. Truman. Currently, he works in health emergency preparedness as a technical expert for radiation hazards. He has a Bachelor of Science in Nuclear Engineering Technology, and he is enrolled in the Health Physics Master's Program at Illinois Institute of Technology. In his spare time, he practices science communication by running the Facebook page, The Pragmatic Environmentalist, and his new YouTube channel, The Rad Guy. DJ LeClear, welcome to The Rational View. Well, thank you for having me. So, what was your career path, and how did you become... Uh, a radiation safety expert. Well, um, it all started out uh, when I was in the Navy in their their nuclear program um, as an engineering laboratory technician doing uh, radiological controls, steam plant chemistry, uh, radiochemistry, and uh, that was definitely the beginning of my uh, interest in radiation um, and and nuclear power as well. Um, being an operator in their plants. And uh, once I got out, definitely still had a major interest in it. So then um, I actually uh, worked on analytical x-ray equipment for a while, um, which is definitely, it's it's very radiation uh, related. But I, I eventually I, I finished while I was working my uh, nuclear engineering technology degree um, and definitely kept up my my interest in in nuclear and eventually I started working uh, as a nuclear engineer for um, the state of Wisconsin and uh, definitely it, it was interesting because I, I thought I knew a lot when I was in the Navy um, getting out of the Navy and learning everything they taught me and then I I got into the kind of the the real world of, of radiation and really just broadened uh, yeah. my knowledge uh, once I got out and realized I really didn't know as much as I thought I did, but definitely made me even more interested, I think, in radiation, uh, broadening my uh, knowledge on it. And so I eventually decided that I would get my master's uh, in health physics. And I have a, my health physics uh, master's that I'm currently working on is at Illinois Institute of Technology, and it's specifically focused on uh, emergency preparedness um, and radiological security. 
because okay. that's kind of what I do right now with my current uh, position. And I could explain what that all is if you want me to. Well, well let's just uh, back I, I up a, it, a, a second and maybe um, yeah. start a little more basic. Could you give our listeners yeah. maybe a brief intro into what is radiation and where it comes from? Absolutely. So radiation, I mean, it comes in two different physical forms, really. So you got your radiation that's uh, electromagnetic radiation, uh, something I think we're all actually more familiar with than, than a lot of people think, and that's uh, basically light. That Light is radiation, and light is just a specific energy of radiation, a specific wavelength. And if you go uh, lower energy, that's kind of your infrared, and then your you have your microwaves and your radio. Those are, are less energetic than the light you can see. And then you start getting just beyond that energy level that you can see, and you get into your, your ultraviolet uh, radiation. And at the high end of the ultraviolet spectrum is when you start getting to that point where uh, radiation has enough energy where it can start removing electrons from elements, and that's called ionizing radiation. So you go beyond that and much uh, higher energy. So you got your ultraviolet, your x-rays, gamma rays, and it just goes higher and higher energy. Um, so that's the kind of that typically when people are, are talking about radiation, they're talking about that higher energy ionizing radiation when it comes to electromagnetic radiation. And then there's that other physical manifestation of, of radiation and it's particle radiation. And that right there is uh, you have beta particles, alpha particles, neutrons, protons. There's a lot of different particles out there. But basically, it's just matter with energy. But uh, that's that's kind of very uh, basic. What is radiation? Okay. And and where where does it come from? I mean, it's not just from nuclear power plants, right? There's, I mean, obviously the sun is giving us light, but I mean. Mm-hmm. Radiation is natural. We're experiencing it all the time, yep. right? Yes, absolutely. So a, a common thing that you'll hear people in the radiation field say is like, basically, we live in a, we're, we're surrounded by, by radiation. We live in a sea of radiation. And like every moment of your life, you have hundreds and thousands of particles passing through you uh, of radiation. And when you're talking about your natural sources of radiation that are ionizing specifically, um, the ones that uh, we have are ones that come from uh, space, basically, either coming from the sun or coming from outside of our solar system. Uh, Your cosmic radiation is what we call it. Those are going to be... You have your your gamma, your high energy electromagnetic radiation, as well as protons is actually a big one. Um, proton radiation, and then th- that's a big part of it. But we're we're protected a lot from our atmosphere. So if you go beyond our atmosphere, your your dose of radiation would go a lot higher. And then other natural sources would be uh, just from the ground, um, all around you. 
there are radionuclides. Um, those are uh, specific elements that have a uh, radioactive component to them. So they're they're kind of they're unstable, and when they decay to a more stable form, they release radiation, both gamma and beta, alpha radiation, and that's going to be in uh, a, a common one is uh, your granite that has a, a lot of uh, uranium in it. And I think one thing that your viewers would, would, would be very familiar with is radon. And right. radon actually comes from uranium, which is in granite. It's, it's one of the daughter products of uranium, which means basically uranium, it'll release an alpha particle, will turn into another element, which will release another particle and turn into another element. And eventually you'll get to radon, um, which is a gas, right? And it kind of fill, it can fill in, in, into your basements. Um, so that's, mm. that's another really common one. It just comes from the soil and all around us. Another big one is bananas. Those have potassium in it. And a percentage of that potassium is actually um, potassium-40, which is a, a radioactive um, version of potassium. And uh, so every time you eat a banana, you get a dose of radiation. Potatoes, that's another big one. A lot okay. of potassium in those. Potato chips are actually some of the most radioactive things that we eat. Uh-oh. Because they have a lot of <laughs> potassium in them. Um, well... I mean, we'll, we'll definitely talk about that. It's definitely not something to be concerned about um, at all when it comes to the amount of radiation you're getting from those sources. One thing I, I read recently was that uh, you get a lot of radiation from, from smoking tobacco. Apparently, the, the big leaves of yep. the um, tobacco plants uh, absorb the radon gas and they kind of have like some hair on them and the, the radon gas get trapped in these leaves. Uh, and then we'll get mm -hmm. rolled up into cigarettes. Yep, yep. Uh, I remember I tried looking into this as well, but uh, one of the things they always taught us in, in where they taught me through my time in, in the Navy nuclear power program was that you got like one rem of dose per year for a heavy smoker or, fa or like fairly heavy smoker. And that's about three times what you would normally get Nat from natural background sources okay. just from smoking alone so you, mm. you would add three times as much more um, to it but another thing that i know about from from my background at least is is from space you, you know you have the uh, the magnetic fields around the earth protect the earth but there's a lot of radiation particles that circulate in these magnetic fields and these are called the van allen belts and if you go up in yep. an airplane and you go up above most of the atmosphere, you're less, you're much less protected from the space radiation. You get cosmic rays coming into you, and you can get a significant mm -hmm. dose of radiation just in going on a transatlantic flight. Yep. Oh yeah. I'm I'm actually well known to uh, pretty much every time I go fly, I bring a detector with me, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> definitely it's a big big conversation starter. I remember uh, one long flight that I had, I talked for two hours straight uh, with the the flight attendants. They, they actually invited me to the back and <laughs> we just had a <laughs> real long conversation. It was, it was awesome. Nice, like, nice. 
yeah. yeah. And it's also one of the biggest risks of astronauts going to other other planets or the moon is the, the, the space yeah. radiation dose that they can get is, is quite significant once you get outside the, the radiation belt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So let's move on maybe, and if you could describe the risks of radiation exposure from health standpoint. Yeah. So in our normal lives, even though we do live in a, a sea of radiation, uh, radiation really is uh, the least of our concerns, especially when you're talking about all the other risks that we deal with in our in our normal day or daily life, basically like risks of driving, risks of uh, taking a shower. Like there's there's so many so many other things that we really need to worry about that radiation. Uh, it actually it sounds way scarier than it than it really is, and that's because radiation is uh, a pretty weak uh, carcinogen. Basically, you have to have a lot of it for one thing, a large dose of it to even be able to get a measurable increase in your uh, health risks. They've seen this in epi epidemiological studies, basically, and you have to have a fairly high dose. Well, it's significantly higher than background uh, in order to actually have uh, increase in health effects. But even if you did get to that point where you can measure it, uh, it's still not a dramatic increase in your risks. Hmm. There's a lot of other things that we deal with that do have a much higher risk that, that we really should be dealing with. But even that level that I, that I mentioned that we have measurable evidence for risk, there's not that many cases where that happens if that makes any sense now now what you're saying yeah i understand what you're saying but i've also heard it said and a lot of the regulations that i see about safe doses are based on uh the fact that there's no safe dose of radiation you know the, people say that any radiation can cause cancer so that that kind of goes into how we regulate it, it's way simpler to basically take those risks that we've measured before at those high levels of radiation and extrapolate all the way down to zero, basically. It makes it a lot simpler to do your regulation. Yeah, but the thing is, we don't have any evidence um, for it at those really low levels. We can measure a possible hypothetical risk, but and, and, and it's quite possible that that risk is even there, but it's so small that it's negligible. I, I understand extrapolating, like linear extrapolation. Yeah. And I've heard the term mm -hmm. linear no threshold being bandied mm -hmm. about on the internet for describing the prediction of these low dose effects of, mm -hmm. of, of mm -hmm. radiation exposure uh, for cancer, for example. Yeah, and so there's a lot of things that go on to your cells when it comes to, or when they receive a radiation dose that we've just learned in the last 20 or so years, like well, a little, maybe a little more than that, uh, 80s and 90s, we've learned so much and in, in, into this uh, century. And we know that 
when you get down to really low doses, things do change and how your body kind of responds to those lower doses. And uh, honestly, it leaves a lot more questions than than answers when you start learning about the, these things. Um, I could start getting into the very specifics, but it's really it, it's quite technical. But uh, I I always kind of ascribe to the fact that the 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 risks are so low that it's it's it shouldn't be of a concern to us. I mean. There's a risk of oxygen, you know, there's a risk of, of drinking water. There's there's risks to all sorts of things that are actually necessary. All these things are, are things that can create mutations in your DNA that then can lead to cancer. Is that what you're describing? Maybe not water, but uh, oxygen <laughs> can, yes. So the the, the other things that we, we deal with in just a normal, everyday or in our normal everyday lives comes with cancer risk. Like every, oh, like not everything, but a lot of things that are good for your health are, are carcinogenic, you know, if, especially if you have too much of it and then you start seeing, like the, I said, those measurable increases of your, your risk. Uh, alcohol is a big one, huge one, actually. Uh, that's, that's very carcinogenic, but we, we drink that in excess um, and with, with no worry. But. Yes, we do. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> the um, the one thing, the one uh, analogy I like to use is that you know radiation is the same as is is getting a sunburn effectively. It's, it's mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. basically the same effect and the same sort of mechanism for for having the potential to get cancer. And people go out and sit in the sun all the time. Yep. Yep, and I you should you or not all the time, but you should get sun exposure, uh, because uh, because of the health benefits that you're getting uh, from both being outside and the vitamin D and everything. So that we know that we need it, and that not having it is a health risk in its in itself. But if it is carcinogenic in in the exact same manner that radiation is, um, in fact, because it's your ultraviolet radiation and it's it's do, it's using that same mechanism on your cells and this exact same thing as getting radiation and that's a big thing when i'm when i'm talking about risks is right well you do go outside right and you do expose yourself to the sun you you, you expose yourself to uh, ultraviolet radiation that's basically uh, causing the same effects as ionizing radiation specifically to your skin you're getting a dose Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and you wouldn't purposely a hundred percent avoid that. You would not want to. In fact, I, I've also heard people arguing that some low doses of radiation are actually good for the body. I've, I've, there was an article where people were using radiation mm-hmm. uh, of X-rays to to mitigate pneumonia from COVID, for example. People are getting a chest X-ray, and it actually helped the body to recover from COVID. Yeah radiation in 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 the medical field is just oh, it is such a major technology that we've gotten into it is it is amazing how many lives have been saved from radiation uh in the medical field uh like you said for that that covid the covid19 treatment where it's a dose to the lungs 
that's I mean, that's big. Like you could actually save people's lives that way. And that's 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 just the barely scratching the surface when it comes to how much radiation is used for cancer treatment, diagnosis. I mean, those are the two big ones. Your, your diagnosis is your cancer treatment. You, you, there are so many lives that are saved due to radiation. How does the, the radiation help you? Because I thought you know, radiation basically just kills cells. Yeah, so it's so, it's so cool the things we can do. Like this, this excites me, this talking about this, where we can, we can develop these isotopes and nuclear reactors and we can we can alter their chemistry and uh, inject them or have a, have somebody ingest these radionuclides that has cancer, um, for example. And that chemistry of it can can make it to where it binds to specifically where that cancer is and kills the cancer. So you're right. It does kill it. It kills the cancer cells. And mm. we, we've gotten so much better and better at it that we're, we're able to make it specifically target where that cancer is located with a pretty heavy dose of radiation. And that, that's that's a, a really major thing that they do at medical facilities uh, when, it, when it comes to using uh, radiation in, in cancer treatment. I, there's another another example that I really love is you can use proton therapy where basically you take a stream of protons and you're directing it at a person's tumor. And what's really cool about proton ther- therapy is we can, we can make it to where the energy is deposited almost exclusively in the tumor. And you're not damaging, well, you, you're damaging maybe a little bit, but not much at all. You're, you're mo- mostly damaging the, the tumor itself and killing those tumor cells. Um, so that's that's a big area where uh, radiation is used to save people's lives, and then also in diagnosis, and that's a big thing for saving uh, people's lives as well. Yeah, it's it's amazing and, and ironic. I mean, people think of it as a destructive force, but it really is being used for healing more than anything. I, mm-hmm. Now, I've heard of a term, the hormesis effect. And the hormesis effect is is basically a refutation of the linear no-threshold extrapolation, which is we know that there's uh, cancer that's caused at very high doses, uh, and we're just going to extrapolate down to very low doses and predict a certain cancer rate. But there's no medical data behind this, and this is what uh, the precaution that all the regulations are based on. And now what we're seeing is that people are studying lower doses of radiation and people who live in high background areas and finding that these people actually have, they live longer and that the low doses of radiation actually stimulate uh, some processes in the cells which cause healing to occur. Uh, and they're not at all more at risk of cancers than as would be predicted in the linear no-threshold theorem. Are you familiar with this theory? Oh, yes, I am. (laughs) Very controversial, as you probably already know. And so I kind of alluded to it a little bit before when it comes to uh, when we started doing more research into those lower doses of radiation and and kind of the things that happen uh, when you get to those lower doses. 
to to cells and there are there is absolutely evidence for hermetic effects at low doses when it comes to doing things in a lab basically with cells and with mice or rats i can't remember and and but there's also some things that leave a little or some questions so uh, it's hard to say that there would be a consensus on that, but there's definitely something there. I would not hang my hat on it yet, just because I'm I'm still looking for more evidence on it. Okay. But we definitely know something at those lower levels. Uh, it's it's much. Uh, there's there's other things happening. It seems to be stimulating some healing in the body. Yes. Uh, so I'll I'll, I'll get into it. Um, basically. They know that you, you basically can kind of prime your cells to prepare it for a, a large dose of radiation by giving it a, a, a large dose of radiation kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> kind of okay. interesting, actually, which possibly like maybe if we, we do a little more research into it, it could be something for people who go to space, right, that, you know, they're about to get a fairly large dose of radiation if you can basically prime their cells to be ready to get that dose by using radiation <laughs> uh, that could be, be beneficial for people uh, astronauts so yeah the, the body seems to adapt to different levels of background radiation because obviously there are, and this is something probably evolutionary because there's all sorts of different levels on earth depending mm -hmm. on where you mm -hmm. live and, and people can live in very high radiation areas with no with no bad effects if they if they've been there for a while yep one one big one that comes to mind is uh ramsar iran uh that has a a large uh background radiation um that you get uh from the earth there and i know it's it's a fairly small cohort or small group of people so it's it's hard to make a, a lot of conclusions about it but um i know that there's definitely not negative effects from it um but i have heard from from there and some other places where it's like oh maybe it seems like maybe there's some benefit there um mm. but it's such small sample sizes it's 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 hard to again like i said like hang my hat on that but yeah interesting yeah so we're going to pause here and end part one of my interview with DJ Leclerc, a radiation expert. And we'll take this up next week where we discuss more of the relationship between radiation and nuclear power and how it affects people and whether nuclear energy is a risk to society or not. I hope you stay tuned. I'm just going to give you a little teaser here uh, so you can hear some of the stuff that we're going to talk about. Thank you for listening to The Rational View. They're like, oh, but nuclear waste lasts for so long. I'm like, but other industries, it lasts forever. Like, it, people don't think about that. Nuclear waste gets better over time. You know, it gets less hazard over time. But I, people don't seem to think about that. But if, if other industries were all required to uh, take into account for all of their waste that they generated... We wouldn't have climate change. It wouldn't be a thing. If you're enjoying what you're hearing, 
please consider visiting my Patreon page and becoming a patron of this podcast at patron.podbean.com slash the rational view.